Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick. And it's a gray, windy, cold day. And I'm on my way to get a haircut. (laughs) And uh, since this is a busy week with a lot of things going on, I will fill you in in a minute. I figured I may as well record this walk (laughs) because it's likely to be one of the few walks I'm going to do this week. So uh, my uh, the, my hairdresser is uh, in a, in another neighborhood. It, he's a Syrian, and uh, I've I've been a customer of his for more than twelve years. So I keep going back to his place. It's very cheap and it's good quality. Plus, I like the the people there. So um, that's why I'm why I'm walking there. So it, it has been uh, a, a very testing time the past few days you may remember that in my last episode of the walk i told you that uh, one of the reasons that i went to lourdes was to light a candle and to pray for my parents for their health Um, my mother has been uh, having lots of issues with her arteries um, short of breath and so she's been treated um, a while ago however she has not recovered uh, at all She's still very, uh, she has a, a lot of problems with, uh, whenever she walks, she, she is short of, out of breath very quickly, uh, not much energy. And so the doctors are uh, um, puzzled by the situation. That's one issue. But the second issue is much more serious. My, my father has artery problems in his legs, and um, they uh, try to, remedy that by with medication turns out that he didn't take the medication and so uh, the infection has been growing also uh, to get an appointment uh, for treatment has been very difficult so it's been uh, kind of on a waiting list or they just kept putting it off and uh, their own personal doctor has kind of been I think underestimating the problem and so he's he's had an, uh, an intake uh, and uh, an examination, and there is a, a great risk that a part of his foot has to be um, removed, cut off, because it's you know it's it's di- the tissue has died, which is very serious. However, the 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 reason that he hasn't taken his medication is that he has been very confused uh, lately, uh, and there are very clear signs. From my point of view, I'm not a doctor, of course, but there, for me, there are very clear signs of dementia in, a, in, in an advanced, advanced state. And uh, it is getting worse uh, very, very quickly. So you can still have a conversation with him about things that he knows from the past, his, his fields of areas of interest. But he will quickly doze off um, because of the pain in his leg. He doesn't sleep at all. So that is part of it, but it's also more, it's, it's kind of, it's strange behavior. Plus he is more and more disoriented, both physically, so he falls all the time, which of course at his age, 77 years old, and in a, in a bad overall physical condition, is very risky. Um, he can't really walk uh, without assistance. Um, plus he's also... Um, uh, very confused with short-term things. So memory is almost gone. He is uh, very often completely 
um, disoriented when it comes to the simple things like putting on socks and he doesn't even recognize what they are socks and that could also there can be various reasons for that could also be the medication so he get very gets very strong painkillers so until there is a definitive diagnosis we don't know for sure but i'm keep i'm very much keeping uh, the option open or the possibility open that this is vascular dementia and uh, this will not get better so lots and lots of worries uh, my mom is uh, very stressed out also because the the treatment that he will get next week is not without risk. They're going to do a uh, full narcosis. I think that's how you call it, right? So they're going to put him under entirely, um, which is not without risk. And it could also worsen the situation. So we're looking at a, at a situation where he may actually need uh, uh, much more care and perhaps even will need, need, needs to be transferred to... Uh, um, a, a home a, uh, where they can give him specialized care and also where they can keep an eye on him because uh, he's so confused that he just walks away sometimes and um, he's very erratic in his behavior and my mom of course has her own heart issues and so she can't leave him not one second also because he falls several times a day so the, the situation is pretty untenable and something needs to happen and of course my sister and my brother and I are uh, are following things closely and we're doing what we can but it is very uh well stressful worrisome and uh and at the same time you can't always do much sometimes you just have to rely on the professionals that are surrounding my parents um but well it's always this 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 doubt are are, are they are they truly seeing what's going on um you know who's responsible for for follow-up for um, you know making sure that uh, the steps are taken that need to be taken etc I probably don't tell you anything new if you have parents at an advanced age or if you've you've been going through the these similar situations um, but it does have uh, one clear effect on my own situation and that is it's very hard for me to focus on on bigger projects so I, I'm uh, working on the, the, the second season of my TV show. Um, and I need to start editing some of the stuff that I filmed in France. And I just can't focus. It's like every five minutes I'm distracted or I'm thinking about my parents. And um, that is, that is a, bit, a bit of a challenge. Also, this week has been uh, uh, extra difficult because... Uh, there are lots of um, appointments and uh, conversations that need to take place. So, for instance, this afternoon, I have to go for my TV work. I have to go to all the way to Harlem, or it's very far. It's uh, in another province for a photo shoot. You know, I couldn't care less about a photo shoot, but in the TV world, it's important that they have up-to-date photos of uh, of their uh, presenters. But that requires me. That's why I'm going to get, get a haircut because, you know, you have to look representable. <laughs> I need to probably also get myself a new suit because this one is seven years old and it's even discolored. Now it's black, so it's not as uh, visible as with the regular clothes. And pr that's, <laughs> the priestly attire doesn't, doesn't get out of fashion very quickly. But still, 
I may need to uh, get myself a, a new pair of trousers and a new jacket. So that's also something I need to do. And that t- just takes time and uh, takes, off my, takes my mind off other things that also need to be doing and then uh, that I need to be doing. And then I have this com- ongoing conversation with the, the editors over at the TV company. Lots of changes there too. Uh, the Netherlands is, is, is secularizing very quickly. And that also has an impact on the programs that I can make. Until next year, there is still a little bit of money that has been allocated by the government for Catholic programming. However, it's not certain that that will continue. That is one of the reasons that I wanted to start uh, this new initiative uh, called Catholic Today, where... I, I feel that Catholics need to have a Catholic voice in the media and be able to to create programs about Catholic culture, the values that we stand for, and also to bind people together. Media is very uh, a very important tool to give people a sense of identity. And uh, the Netherlands is a small country and there's not much left in the field of Catholic media. And I've always been... a, a a, a visible player in that field, but without much, many means, without much, much of a team around me. Now that I've built that up, I think we're we're ready to take on the task of, you know, giving, making interesting and, <laughs> and good quality uh, programs about what Catholics do today and how they live and why they they do the things that they do. Whereas on the side of the television, they're clearly steering this to a post-Catholic, post, almost post-Christian future, where um, the core values that are now put in, in uh, let's say, put, put, are put in place, are very general values, very compatible with Catholicism, with Christianity, but also very vague, very, I mean, very general. It's love that that it should be about love about the connection between people binding people together that sort of stuff well as a catholic of course i have nothing against that but it but i get feedback on the 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 list of of uh, uh topics that i wanted to uh make programs about that you know it needs more of these more uh, like social socially oriented topics whereas i've been focusing more on, on specifically Catholic initiatives or people because it's already so underrepresented in the media in general, in the Netherlands. And I feel that it's my, my, it's my job. I'm the, I'm the only priest in the Netherlands who makes TV programs and who is visible in the public sphere for, let's say, for a general public. But there is, there is some pushback on that level. And, of course, I want to stay involved in in the tv world because it's it's a very easy access to a lot of people at the same time it's a bit of a i i hesitate going along with this generalization of these of 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 these values and i feel that especially public media public broadcasting has a one of their tasks is to represent and to reflect society and even though the Netherlands is secularizing, there's still a very, very large part of the population that is Catholic, that has a link with the Catholic culture and Catholic tradition. And I feel that as long as that is the case, 
it should also be visible in the media. So it's, uh, it's kind of a walking a tightrope between what is in the interest of the Catholic viewer and the Catholic population and what is in the interest of uh, a broadcasting company that, that tries to secure their, um, uh, their position in the media landscape in a secularized situation. So I'm always focusing on the good stories. And anyone likes a good story. And if it's Catholic, but it's still a good story, someone who's not Catholic should still be able to enjoy it. That has always been my thing. That's why I can talk about Star Wars and I can make programs about science fiction and about... As long as it's a good story and as long as it's interesting and it's touching upon things that, that a large part of the population is interested in, then... It, there is nothing wrong of, uh, of, of doing that as Catholics and, and with a Catholic perspective. Um, that, for me, is, is, is kind of the challenge also, also for Catholics. They need to make sure that their message is universal because that's what the word Catholic means. And so that it is appealing and, and, it is, and makes sense also to the rest of the world and the rest of the culture. That, to me, is very important to to uh, uh, use as the basis for anything that I do. It should never be just for Catholics, but it should be from a Catholic perspective for the rest of the world, because we have something to offer. So when that becomes impossible, when, and I don't know, of course, I think that this will probably take a few more years, but I can imagine a situation where um, public media does not, no longer want to, represent this this very you know this catholic perspective well then i'll, I'll do it myself <laughs> we all, we will do it ourselves it's not just me but it's the catholic community is also has a, a responsibility to spread the word to evangelize to show themselves and well i happen to know how that works so whatever happens um i think i will always have something to do and I have I've, I've also ideas and I know where I want to go in case what I, I'm currently doing on, on national TV falls, falls, falls away. I'm not, I'm not going to get bored anytime soon. However, those changes and just the, uh, kind of defending my own vision and where I want to go with this program and what I want to do and also my own doubts. I mean, it's not that I have a recipe for everything and that uh, I'm, I, I can guarantee them the success of, of the choices that I make. So it's all this, you know, that nothing is better than for me than to just be able to do what I've done last year. And that's kind of what I do now. I continue in the same vein because I, I have my, my own group of viewers and fans and they appreciate what I do. And this program has been a very stable fixture and a very cheap uh, program for them to have. So I don't personally don't see a necessity to, to make any changes, but, well, you know, you got to be thinking ahead of, of things. All right, I'm here at the uh, hairdresser, the barber. I'm not sure what the right word is uh, where you live, but uh, I'm going to get a haircut, and then I'll get back to you. To, uh, because then I have to go downtown and bring my f the footage that I shot last week to my editor and I'll head home and then I'll probably have an episode ready for you. So I'll be back uh, in uh, about half, a, half an hour. Well, actually in a few seconds for, for you because I'll put this together. 
I'll just make a sound effect to show you that time has passed. You're back and connected to the walk. I'm Father Roderick and it is exactly 20 minutes after you last heard me talking. Uh, isn't it wonderful? Every time you listen to shows like this, it's like being in Back to the Future. <laughs> time is a relative concept. So, um, haircut is done. Heard some new worries from uh, my Syrian hairdresser about the situation in Iraq and Iran. And he's got a lot of uh, family and friends there, and they're all very worried about all the tensions. And yeah, but such a such a nice guy. Anyway, they're working here on the street on the pavement. They're renovating a lot of the neighborhoods here, with uh, especially the pipage, the sewers and then also the uh, electricity and everything so it's usually something they start when the bad weather is over although today I wouldn't be surprised if we get some more rain so as I mentioned uh, before the break lots of things going on um, and on the other hand I am so glad that I've been to France especially the second part of the week that retreat almost that I, I felt like a retreat that I did with Father Theo has been a, a, a tremendous source of strength lately. Um, and it's so funny ever since I've been there, even though I've only really lived the rhythm of Father Theo for two days, but it stayed with me. And so I'm, I'm waking up early. I'm taking more time for prayer in the morning. And uh, there is a certain, I don't know, a certain peace in my heart. That really is something, it's a, it's a gift that I received there. And it's, uh, I think, what is very, well, it's a blessing in, in these uh, times of turmoil. And on the other hand, also, there are lots of positive things going on. Um, I'm having a great time just filming and, and uh, interviewing people. And like last Friday was wonderful. I was on a, on a tour with the animal ambulance so it's a system that we have in the Netherlands and it's a regional system where volunteers will be on call for an entire day and when there are animals in need and they can be domestic animals or I don't know around this time there's a lot of birds young birds that have been uh, I don't know <laughs> that are in trouble or fallen out of the nest etc the ambulance goes and picks these animals up and brings them to to the asylums or to several places or sometimes to the doctor and one of my parishioners is is working every friday for a full day it's 24 hours to be on call for to help animals and also and that was some one of the great things to discover it's not just the animals it's also the owners it's the people and and also the volunteers that are involved that are um that need uh, as much care sometimes as the animals themselves. And so it's a great way uh, to... Um, the, the, the animals help bring people together. That was kind of what I, what I discovered during that day. So wonderful experience. And I was filming that for uh, an episode that I want to air around uh, um, World Animal Day on the 4th of October. And the reason that that is part of my Catholic program is that World Animal Day is was chosen to be uh, on on October the 4th because of St. Francis 
who's kind of the patron saint of the animals, was, according to legends, able to speak to the animals. Birds would listen to his homilies. And, of course, there's much more to St. Francis than just that. But it's nice to see that there is a Catholic connection. And, of course, lately, Pope, Pope Francis, who deliberately chose the name Francis for his pontificate, has, uh, has emphasized the need and, and the importance of uh, taking good care of God's creation that has been only given to us, has been given to our care, and not just as a, a source of revenue or to be exploited. And what's more, and this has also been part of the Catholic tradition for a long time, the way we treat animals, not just domestic animals, but also the animals that we consume and that are are giving us their their wool or their milk. The way we treat animals always reflects our attitude towards other human beings as well. And this throwaway culture um, where we just consume without looking at the consequences for our uh, for for God's creation for the animals is is also pervading. It's influencing the way in which we throw away each other, and it's this indifference. Um, this lack of empathy towards the suffering, the weak. And so learning to take good care of animals can help us learn to take better care for each other. That's why children, um, I think, can benefit from having a pet that they can care for because that's how they learn that another creature is maybe dependent on them and, and needs care and needs love, and that will make them more, I think, open to, uh, to in the future for, for human relations where you may have that same dependence sometimes and the need to take care of the poor and the weak. So um, that was, it was just a, a great day, very inspiring and in many ways also um, enlightening because it's, it feels so much like the work that we do as priests. We run around in, in larger and larger areas. We try to help as much as we can. And a lot of what we do, just like with the animal, uh, animal ambulance, is not about efficiency. And so we, uh, at one point we get a call um, while we're on the road that there is a, probably a sheep um, that has landed in, uh, in the water. Because there's a whole flock of sheep and they're all stressed out and they're making a lot of noise. Uh, and there is something white in the in the water, so we head there. There's another person that is going to check out such situation before we arrive, and he calls back. He's like, "Yeah, all these sheep, they're, they're worried about a piece of isolation material. <laughs> so it's this kind of white, what is it, fiber or wool kind of looked looked from a distance looked like like a sheep, but it was just a piece of isolation material. And in many ways." Um, Sometimes what, the work that we do as, as pastors, as shepherds, can be also extremely inefficient. And we go to, you know, individual people. And you can't help everyone. But it doesn't mean that you don't have to go where, where, where there is someone in need. And it may not change the world. It may not change society. It may not help your church. But you do it because you care. And because if you forget to listen to these seemingly insignificant requests for help and support then your heart hardens so that you also don't care about the bigger things so uh, the pastoral care for other people cannot be measured in terms of efficiency or 
profitability that's even worse. It's all about our own hearts and our society that keeps listening to those small voices, the weak voices, and, and stays attentive because that's how you would want to be treated, right? Even if you're the only person in the world that feels alone or is in need or, or wants help, how blessed are you if someone actually meets you there and, and helps you and supports you, even though that may not be the most efficient or economically wise thing to do. It's, it, it, it's a blessing in itself. It's a value in itself. So that was, that was great. Now I have to bring that material, which is on, my, on a USB stick, to my editor, Hugo. He's, doing, he's, he's making that episode. He's combining it with uh, footage of a, an animal blessing or a horse blessing, actually, in the south of the country. And he filmed that, so I'm going to give him this material as well so he can kind of combine that into one continuous story. But he lives on the other side of the city center. I'm going to give him a call and perhaps meet him for coffee or something like that. Hopefully he's, uh, he's available. All right, let's see. I'm just going to give him a call here, so I'm going to speak code language in Dutch. <laughs> let's see. <laughs> Across the road here. Hey, dag Hugo. Hi, ik, um, ik ben aan de wandel. Ik moest dan naar de kapper en ik moet even nieuwe kleren kopen, want ik heb vanmiddag een fotoshoot voor de KRO. Um, heb jij even een momentje om even een kop koffie te drinken beneden of zo? Uh, dat dan... uh, ja, ik ben nu, ik ben nu bij, de, bij de stier. Dus ik moet nog een eind wandelen. Ik kan ook eerst even naar de CNA gaan hoor, dan kan ik eerst even mijn kleren kopen. Oh, op die manier. Ja, ja. Moet, jij, moet, jij zit aan huis gebonden. Ja. Nou, Oké. Okay. Um, geef me anders even een seintje als je beschikbaar bent. Anders gooi ik het gewoon in de bus. Maar dan... Uh, maar ik kan ook nog eventjes. We kijken wel even. Maar dan ben ik in ieder geval standby. <laughs> Oké. Okay. Yo, dank je. Doei, doei. So he's not available right away. Sorry for that. But sometimes some of you have said that you actually enjoy me hearing me speak in Dutch from time to time. So um, he's waiting for a repairman. Uh, so he can't leave the house. I wanted to meet him for coffee. But uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll just first get my suit. And then I'll, he'll give me a sign when he's available. That, by the way, is one of my great joys that now I have multiple people that can help me. Uh, with my work and uh, I'm so glad that I took that decision to work less because it forces me it really forces me to hand it over and to not try to do everything myself and that uh, that too is not always perhaps the most economical thing to do because I have to pay these people but on the other hand it helps me to be much more relaxed to feel more I don't know less stressed out I have time for other things that matter if only You know, that, that taking that more time to pray in the morning. I always had trouble praying uh, when I was too stressed out, when there were too many things uh, happening where, that required my involvement because I, I couldn't concentrate. I was like praying the Psalms in the Liturgy of the Hours and then I would, I would read the words, but I, it, it wouldn't enter my heart. 
because my heart was full of all the worries and all the stress and deadlines and stuff, now that I can hand that over, I may not, you know, or the, or the, the platform Tridio may not make as much money as we would do if I would do everything myself, but at the same time, it is helping me to be much more creative and more ha a happier person. And, and I think that ultimately also impacts the, the programs that I make and even, even the, the, the initiatives that I take. I, I'm much more, like for instance, those Lego sessions on YouTube. That is such a, a, a discovery, kind of almost by accident that I discovered how well that works. And it's gathering a community of people that like to hang out and watch me do some Lego stuff, even though it's not really about the Lego, it's about the conversation that takes place. And me listening to their comments and answering and, and uh, showing my support for people that are you know, going through difficult times and all that is something that I would never consider um, if, if, if my days were filled with editing and deadlines. I would be wiped out in the evening. I wouldn't have the energy to do that. And now I have, and I can be available for an, an entirely new group of people, a new community that is forming around those Lego videos. And it doesn't cost me, and actually it, it gives me energy. I just miss the community, just like I miss podcasting. When, whenever there's a week that I can't podcast, I miss the conversation. Even though you're not talking back to me, but I know that you're listening, and I know that, that there is this community, and I do get feedback via Patreon and via uh, social media. And so it's, it's something that, that helps me be a better person and, uh, and also gives me a certain support. So it's that community that is actually of a much greater value than a monetary value uh, of, of the work that I do. And I feel that that is what God is calling me to do. It's, my life is not about a career. It's not about money. It's not even about success. But it's about forming these bonds of friendship. I'm going through a little gate here. And uh, now walking through the old uh, center of the city. There's the Tower of Our Lady right there rising above the, the other buildings. And also the, the ship of the... Uh, the Church of St. George, which is today a Protestant church, but it has been there since the Middle Ages. And uh, it's, it's, it's that that makes my life worthwhile. And when I hear from my, my, the trouble, uh, the health problems of my father, I always realize that my parents are only, what is it, 27 years older than I am. So that means... You know, 27 years from now, I may be, or much earlier than that, because you'd never know with health, it will be my turn. And I will face the situation where my life is over and, you know, careers and money don't really count anymore, except for paying the bills, the medical bills, perhaps. But ultimately, that's the time that, I'll, that I will look back on my life and, and I want to be happy with what I did and the choices that I made. And... That is what I feel I have been neglecting for so much, for so many years, is just focusing on work, 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 and on trying to, trying to, um, to do what I thought people wanted me to do, what I felt I needed to do to be accepted, to be uh, a good boy, basically.
That a boy, Father Roderick. You work so hard. You worked overtime again. Good boy. And 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 what is that worth? What is the what is the result? It only brought me on the verge of being overworked and and sometimes frustrated that I couldn't do anything everything. And so letting go of all of those obligations and of course you always have to be responsible and there's lots of stuff that I need to do and that is part of the and that's not always easy it's not that uh, you know I'm, I'm just uh, <laughs> going at half speed through life and I'm just uh, uh, more lazy than I was it's much more about letting go of that inner pressure to to uh, you know to be perfect to uh, produce I don't know how many shows every week it's not about the quantity it's about where is your heart and when your heart is in the right place you will do the right things and and what you do will have that heart in it and that is what matters and that is what makes you look back on, on your day and thinking you know I, I had a great day instead of like oh I didn't meet my deadlines and I didn't do what I wanted to do and I haven't realized this and that plan and I'm worried about finances and ugh, what kind of life is that? It's, the question is much more at the end of the day and also at the end of your life. Have I, done, have I done the things that I did? Have I made the choices that I did with my heart in the right place, with my priorities where they should have been? Or have I been focusing all my energy on things that are ultimately not helping the world not helping me um, and are, are, we're not even required are, we're not even asked keep getting back to that theme of vocation and how important it is to feel that what you do is what you're called to do and if you're not called to do it why do you do it and are there other options that are better and that, that may have consequences it's like you know the whole fi financing of the organization um this is all about um, about not focusing on, on, on the way you run your business now. This is something that I've learned also from, from Cliff Ravenscraft. Um, if he would have never changed the way he, he, he worked and what he did, he would have still been just the podcast answer man and helping people connect their mixer to their PC. And that may be very useful but it's not very fulfilling but every time you change and you 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 realize that wait this is this i may be good at this but this is not what i'm called to do it's not this is not the best that i could do with my life it it, it involves letting go of that security but this is generating my income that's how i feel about my tv work it is still paying all the bills not just my bills but also the bills of the people that work for me and if that falls away Oh, what is going to happen? So I need to work. I need to... That, but the pitfall is that you focus on that and because all your energy and time goes into maintaining the status quo, you won't have the, the opportunity to try out something that maybe in, in the end be much more valuable, much more, I don't know, perhaps even economically be, be more beneficial. Um, as, as long as I'm working for TV, everyone... Will will think well, you know, we don't <laughs> we don't need to support uh, the other stuff that Father Roderick does because the TV uh, he's got a, a job at TV. The moment you change and you say, well, we, we want to do something much better than what we can currently do on TV, 
well, uh, help us with that. I mean, I could, I could, you could, the moment you, you dare to let go, that's where opportunities start to emerge that you could, just couldn't see before. Because what your, 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 your vision, you're just focusing on, on what you're already doing and what didn't really make you happy. The moment you dare to take the leap, as it were, that's when you start to discover, well, wait a minute, I, I knew I had this in me, but I just didn't give it any room. It's like this uh, yesterday evening, I was, I've been uh, raising plants, raising, growing plants. So I have this uh, one room in my house where it's uh, surrounded by windows. It's kind of this alcove and it's perfect for growing plants. And, and so I've been growing herbs because I bought these uh, pre-grown herbs and they died within a week at the supermarket. So instead, I just did it the old-fashioned way, got some seeds and planted them in a very small little container with earth and gave it some water and put it in the sunlight. And, uh, and now these, these sprouts are too big for that little container. And so yesterday evening, I, I've been uh, messing, literally messing around because my house now looks like a garden <laughs> with all the earth that I used. I've been replanting them in bigger pots so that they can actually start to really you know, spread out their, uh, their roots and grow and, uh, and start to produce the herbs that I need for cooking. Had I left them in that little tiny container, then yeah, that was easy. It's just, but they wouldn't grow and I would never get the herbs. Um, they would probably die in the, in, in the long run. So replanting them in this pot, it takes a lot of effort. And at first the pot seems way too big and so it's, there's just these tiny little sprouts, but I know that if I don't do that, they will never grow to their full potential. And that is very much what's happening with my life and, and also I think with all our lives. If we stay put in that small container that we know and that we're you know, kind of used to, um, then we may never grow to the potential that God has given us. But it's always risky. It's always change. is always scary. But I, I think I, uh, I did the right thing by making these. And I'm also already preparing the, you know, the, the next phase. And I don't know how long I will be working in, in this situation with the TV shows. But I know that once I have to make the leap to something new, I am very confident that it will be wonderful. And I will have a, and perhaps it may be even better than what I do right now. It's not that I suddenly will lack ideas or, or also the know-how of, of making good programs. And I believe that content is king and it will always be like that. No matter where that content is distributed, whether it be on Facebook or, or YouTube. And, and uh, my recent experiences with the Lego streams has shown me that even if it's a small community, but it's still very valuable. And, it, and I'm, I'm able to help people and accompany them and and give them a, a, a place where they belong, where they can feel that they are, you know, they meet other friends. There was this one comment that really touched me on, on YouTube where uh, a relatively new viewer that had discovered the videos through the algorithm on YouTube said, I love how friendly the internet is here. And that was such a great 
piece of feedback. Like I love how friendly the internet is, and that is true. I'm not. I don't always realize that, but creating an environment around the programs and around what I do that is friendly and welcoming, and where people are actually not just anonymous uh, viewers that that rack up the, the, the advertisement revenue, but they're people that I, they can become friends and I know them and they know me. That is, that is pretty unique. Or that's not really unique, but it is something that is actually makes, makes this work stand out uh, from a lot of other stuff that's out there on YouTube that is not really focused on, on the people themselves, but on, you know, profiting from them. And uh, so there's a lot of value in that. And I feel that, that, that whatever, changes the future will bring. I want to do what I feel I've, I'm called to do and what fits my vocation to the priesthood. And, and, and I'm starting to discover that more and more uh, it, that requires sometimes to just, you know, wh whenever you start to feel like I can't really carry out the values that, I, that are important to me and that I'm called to, to carry out, then it's time to stop and to, do, to, to make a change and to, do, to, uh, to take the risk to, to grow something new. All right, those were my thoughts for today. I'm standing here in front of the uh, discount fashion store where I'm going to try to find a reasonably fitting suit that uh, is compatible with my priestly attire. And uh, <laughs> then I'll, I'll go home, get lunch, and drive to that photo shoot that I really don't want to do. But, well... That's part of the job. Hey, thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for your feedback. And as always, also, thank you so much for your support if you're a patron. I really appreciate it, and uh, makes me feel that I'm not doing this alone, but we're doing this together. Take care, have a great week, and I will talk to you soon.